The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. I'm joined by Brenda Power, a journalist and barrister, and Paul Hayes, CEO of Beach Hut PR, to look at the stories that are making the news today and this week. And we kick off, I suppose we have to, to some degree, by looking at cost and how expensive things are getting and inflation taking hold everywhere. Most recently, Brenda, beer and bread. Beer and bread, yeah, because obviously grain, um, because of the uh, Ukrainian war. And the pr- cost of producing bread uh, with electricity costs. And one, I saw one baker in, in the Irish Times today suggesting his, his, uh, the cost of energy gone up by 86% to produce his bread. So obviously the price of bread has to go up. And then Heineken slapping 50 cent, according to today's son, on the pint before Christmas. So well, there is a bit of a downer coming into the festive season. I don't know about you. I don't get out much. And I was listening during the week to Emmett Oliver on The Hard Shoulder. And he was talking about the price of pints now being seven euro something. Six and seven euro. Yeah, six and seven euro. Seven quid for a pint. Yeah, yeah. Six. I, I saw somebody, on, on, I think it was when this was first proposed on the news the other night saying, oh, it could go to six six uh, euros a pint. You know, get out a bit more because six is pretty much nearly the average now. So you're talking up to seven euro a pint. Who is going to go out? I was just saying to Paul before we came in, I mean, I see my kids now who are in their late teens, 20s. They never go to a pub. My, my, my father's a Tipperary publican and listening. And uh, oh, he, he is below five euro a pint. So, you know, a very specific <laughs> ad there. Thanks but he loves yeah. coming to Dublin <laughs> and shaming Dublin publicans who are all his friends who charge him six, six forty, you know, up to he's had the seven down in Temple Bar, but that's yeah, just yeah, you know Temple that's Bar. off the. But he, he can't believe the price of it. But that yeah. means if, if there's four or five of you going out, a round is One round forty is quid. Fifty quid, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it's hard to but sustain. But has gone. I mean, this is the thing. Then it would, this would be used as a cover, I suspect, uh, to, to push up the price of everything else. Your gin and tonic, your glass of wine, they're all going mm. to go up as well, even though there's no grain. It'll be good for our waistlines, though. No bread, no beer. You think people will cut down? Well, I'm just getting older. Welcome to the supermarkets, I think, maybe in the future. And do we know, is this a function of generalised CPI increases or is this to do with Ukraine being the breadbasket? I think it's a bit of everything. It's the the inflation, it's the energy prices and it's, yeah, it's, it's the war. The fact that, you know, you need grain for beer and grain for bread and shortages and and then there is a bit of profiteering I think I mean you do see some price rises that are not entirely defensible over the last while you know things that have gone up are going up again because everything is going up so why not Although if we are looking for silver linings the two things of the war looking like it may be changing its characteristic Mm. and possibly Mm. improving slightly and also as Charlie Weston pointed out the mildness of the winter, record-breaking yeah. lows. We haven't had a, well, as so warm far, a November. Yeah. Long may it continue. So far, indeed, even though it's... Pro-global warming now, are we, Anton? Not yet. Only briefly. Only briefly, just to get us through to February. But in one possible um, upside of that, there was a big piece in the New York Times last week about Irish coastal property as a holiday holiday purchases, you know, for, for wealthy mm. New Yorkers. But part of the appeal being that going forward, we will have temperate summers. Yeah. If you buy in Spain, if you buy in Florida, if you buy in California, you're going to be roasted. We should, we should convince the Yanks to buy Irish vineyards <laughs> and eventually they'll grow wine. Give it time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Short term, get us through winter and then long term wine. Um, uh, we will, of course, be talking uh, more seriously about COP27 later on in the show coming out of the uh, 10 o'clock news. Before that, though, it has been a fascinating week in respect of social media and big tech. We've seen significant layoffs in Meta. It looks to some degree like the big bet on Meta has not gone down well with the investment community. That in itself would be for an interesting and unusual week. 
then we have all that has been going on at Twitter. Now, whether or not you're on Twitter, whether or not you think Twitter is significant, Twitter is a $44 billion business. Well, it used to be. <laughs> that, that has huge influence worldwide, as we saw in the 2016 election, and that now seems to be influencing the share price of, of Fortune 500 companies through parody accounts. I... I n- the lunatics are in charge of the asylum and someone should take away the keys uh, from them immediately. I, I, I've been a long time in tech and I've never seen anything like this. But my favourite one was Lockheed Martini, a parody account that quoted, due to ongoing you know, civil rights issues in the Middle East, we won't be selling bombers or you know, weapon systems to the Middle East. And their share price cut no. in half. Eli Lilly, the makers of insulin or the biggest makers of insulin, their share price just went. They said, we're going to we're going to, you know, the parody account Mm. said, but everyone thought it was real. And they took down a couple of other farmers with them. I mean, this is kind of end game, end times stuff. And now it looks like Bernie Sanders has jumped in to say, actually, we should talk about the price of insulin. So maybe Americans will get insulin for the same price we get it because it's the unintended consequences of the tech bros. And I apologize on behalf of the whole sector. uh, We're not all like that. But are these parody accounts or are they fake accounts? Well, who knows anymore? Because uh, there's no... Well, just because, again, if if you're not a Twitter user, (laughs) this may not matter to you. But there used to be a thing on Twitter where you got a blue tick. And and Elon Musk maintains that this has created a a two-tier society with lords Lords and and peasants. Exactly. The reason for the blue tick was people who purported to be somebody would hand over a passport and go, I'm actually the person I say. He's now changed it so you get your blue tick and your verification for eight quid. Mm. This means that the parody accounts or the Im- imitation accounts that we're talking about are verified. So if Twitter said Absolutely. this is yeah. the real person. Yeah, yeah. So we have Tesla with a blue tick saying that they're going to uh, offer 10,000 vehicles to support the military uh, military uh, in Ukraine and then saying that it was their cars that flew into the World Trade Center. <laughs> we have Nestle saying, and I'm not making this up. These are all blue tick now, blue having tick, paid for this them. Is, well, it, it says, this true. is the company's account. Nestle saying that we steal your water and sell it back to you. <laughs> we have Chiquita, the banana people, again, verified mm. by Twitter, yeah. saying, and I quote, we apologise to those who have been served a misleading uh, message from a Chiquita account. We have not overthrown a government since 1954. <laughs> <laughs> All of it verified by Twitter. Yeah. So has he already started charging? I, I didn't. I wasn't oh, yeah, aware but, that he had. Uh, but did you see that exchange between him and, and, and uh, Stephen King? Oh, Stephen brilliant. King said, $20? I'm not going to pay $20. He said, OK, how about eight? Think, hang on, do you remember that, that, that scene in, in uh, The Life of Brian? you got to haggle. If, you, you don't <laughs> give in straight away. If the richest, kind of the richest novelist in the world won't give him eight bucks and he's going door to door looking for eight bucks he's going to be a long time looking to make back his 44 billion but but the critical issue underpinning this is one of the things that Twitter required to be a viable business was that advertisers would cough up the cash if you're Eli Lilly and you're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars wiped off your share price by a parody account you're hardly going to reach into the other pocket and say we'd like to yeah, take it. Omnicom came out this morning not, and WP, yeah. and they've advised all their clients not to advertise yeah. on Twitter anymore. Yeah. So he's got Omnicom a serious being problem. Biggest ad agency in the world, I think, is it the the uh, the, yep. the group. Um, I mean, the other thing is it's advertising. Jennifer Connell has an interesting piece uh, in the Irish Times on this where she said it was actually the Apple changing their rules around data and advertising and being able to see who you're talking to that basically took 10 billion out of a lot of the other. So it's it's schadenfreude for uh, newspapers. Mm. You know, mm. it eventually happens to tech companies as well. They lose their classifieds, essentially. It's yeah. that kind of moment. And that 10 billion was the thing that triggered a lot of the, mm. OK, let's pause all our hiring. Mm. Uh, I think we're in the false war before the real 
cuts might have to come because when you when you're expanding at three hundred percent, you know, a year, the fifteen percent you've cut are just your recruitment people, your admin people, your your apparatus of expansion. So all anyone has ever done, apart from Musk, who's you know crazy and cut everyone and told them to come into the office and everything else, but when you look at the the rest of the companies that are advertising based, they've basically just said, let's stop expanding. Hmm. Now we'll know, you know, once the music stops, it, when they start cutting engineering jobs or that kind of thing, if it's real or how real it is. It is real. It's just, and it's tragic for the people involved, but, the, but it, it hasn't become the real war yet. And listen, what's the story with Mastodon? This is the new, <clears throat> oh, this is the alternative to which the celebrities are flocking. Is this divide and conquer? or is uh, it, it looked like Dungeons and Dragons to me. I tried yeah. and failed yeah. again. Yeah. PR people oh, come be on. the smartest. What is it that's confusing about a federalised group of servers <laughs> acting in several different countries in unison <laughs> to decentralise social media? Easy. Mastodon and self-moderated. <laughs> correct. I made the mistake of trying TikTok, right, mm. which is it just horrifying if you've never... It's just young ones dancing and people yeah. calling each other out for bare-knuckle fights. Yeah. I don't understand it, but it seems popular. So then I tried Mastodon. Mastodon is Twitter for people who actually understand tech, yeah. which I'm not one, so I have no idea how it works. But it seems to be a... a a co-op version of Twitter if you put it that way but what's interesting about it is it's numbers Mastodon on Ireland if I have these numbers right a week ago had 500 people using it Mm. this week it has 14,000 people using it now 14,000 isn't a lot out of our total population Mm. but if you're looking at a shift in people casting around saying where do I go and the only only constant in in tech is change you know do you still have a MySpace page do you still have a you know I mean all these things eventually get taken people now we're showing our age (laughs) Uh, but it's they will all get taken over and we can't live without Twitter as journalists Mm. as PR people and guess we will Mm. but that's one of the issues that from a when, when you mention Mastodon, Brenda, one of the things when you look at uh, Mastodon versus Twitter and you say, why is this different? One of the big differences is the lack of critical mass around media content. And when you look at Twitter, Twitter has managed to make itself very successful over the last years, effectively aggregating the mm. hard work of journalists, of journalists around the planet. Unpaid, mm. yes, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. people will say, oh, well, I get my news first from Twitter. Well, no, you yeah. get your news first from the Wall Street Journal yeah. or from the New York Times or from the Irish Times, or the Irish Independent or from the Guardian. It just happens to flow through the Twitter mm. funnel. Mm. That that never having been successfully monetized is still an egg that yeah, somebody needs to crack. Yeah, it is absolutely. And Tech it's, people it's, are the worst. And it's a failing. First, they on the sold your advertising. The media. It's a failing on the media part. They did yeah. not move early enough in the way the likes of the music industry did with Spotify yeah. and so on to to monetize their content. First, they came for your advertising. Then they came for your content. Yeah, yeah. And then it was too and late. It was and right. it's the kind of thing you would think would be doable because um, uh, so that I'm not mentioning a, a paper within this country. If we look across the water, Marina Hyde in the Guardian. Mm. You would figure that if you simply said, okay, fifty cent if you want to read. Marina mm. Hyde's article mm. every time. Like Spotify, people say, ah, but you're okay. I'm mm. a fan. But, I but, like her stuff. But Anthony, if you started that 10 years ago and said a cent, you know, give us your credit card details and we'll charge you two cents for every article you read. You'd, you'd click without thinking. Yeah. And, and that would have been, you know, that would have been, would have sustained the newspaper industry. Uh, people tried it and it, it, it never came off. You know, there wasn't enough unity, were, I think. People prepared to pay for m- music. Yeah. Tech saying, Anton, uh, in relation to seven euro pint, so what? Hopefully the days of sloshing back multiple pints are over. Let them drink in a civilised way. And I love my G&T and glass of wine, which I think now add up to about 18 quid. Yeah, this is a pub, but point that is going to do our health no end of good. We won't be eating as much bread unless we bake it ourselves. I think if we drank glasses rather than pints, we'd have an empire. <laughs>
Well, have you ever seen that? Was it Futurama that had that joke about the Irish yeah, discovering yeah. alcohol and going to the, the most advanced civilization <laughs> to where we found ourselves? Um, speaking about advanced civilizations in trouble, across the water, Donald Trump this mm. week. I want your views on this, Brenda, because the US midterms were predicated on an assumption that the Republicans were going to have Red a wave. huge pushback yeah. against Joe Biden. Yeah. Now, Biden didn't exactly um, have a, a win the election. But in the context of first term midterms, mm. he had one of the most successful outings in about four the decades. The most successful ever. Bill Clinton lost 53 seats. Barack Obama lost 63. Harry Truman lost 55. I think he's only lost 10. I think he's only lost 10. So, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a vote of confidence for Joe Biden, but it is definitely an unexpected backlash against the Trump lunacy. Mm. I mean, this is, this it may be too early to write him off, but it does appear to be the beginning of the end of Trumpy Dumpty, as I think the, the the New York Post, one of his biggest media backers, the 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 um, Wall Street Journal, called him a loser. He said it led us to a loss in 2018, to a loss in 2020, and now to a loss in 2022. Get rid of him. So this is going to be fascinating over the next while. And obviously, the the rise of Ron DeSanctimonious, as he has as he has nicknamed him, is um, is threatening to him because he is he's been sort of portrayed as Trump with a brain. And not only that, but very picturesque, good looking family, young man, very well spoken, very articulate, very, you know, intellectual, intellectually and, and politically savvy. So, you know, now, that, the, the, there's the, two things in that that I want to just unpick slightly. The first is the interesting thing about the Wall Street Journal, of course, and the New yeah. York Post is both Murdoch owned Mur- papers, mm-hmm. which means Rupert has turned against yeah, him, which means brace yourself for yeah. a lot more. Yeah. But the second thing on the DeSantis, and I would like your uh, view on this, Paul. The DeSantis numbers, when you look at them, what's interesting is Trump candidates where they may have won, they underperformed the Republican expectations. Non-Trump candidates like DeSantis Mm. greatly overperformed. So there is now a thing that people are saying, hang on a minute, he's acting as a drag. Trump is pulling them down. Yeah, Yeah. Trump is pulling them down. That's hard to get past. It is. But I mean, he did say that, that, you know, if if they were to win, if his candidates, the the crackpots and the the headbangers that he nominated were to win, he would take the credit. But if they lost, well, it wasn't his fault. Well, actually, I think we have that (laughs) clip. Here he is saying it. The results for Republicans, how much of that will be because of Donald Trump? Well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit. And if they lose, I should not be blamed at all. Okay, but it'll probably be just the opposite. Uh, I think they're going to do very well. I'll probably be given very little credit, even though in many cases I told people to run and they ran and they turned out to be very good candidates. Amazing. Unbelievable. Apparently, he's also blaming Melania for for promoting this guy, Ahmed Oz. He said, not her best decision, not her best decision. Well, look, we always said, though, Trump, you know, it's it's, Trump wasn't the problem. It was the smart Trump that came after him once he'd lowered the bar so low that you can get away with stuff. So DeSantis, I think there's two reasons, though, and we talked about this, why DeSantis won't actually make it on the national stage. He's too short. I don't agree with you. Well, now, and he attacked Mickey Mouse. And that might go down (laughs) well locally in Florida, but you cannot attack Mickey Mouse nationally. Let's put Mickey to one side. What's the issue with the height? On the height, he is five foot ten. And Paul's theory, and uh, apparently it's borne out by by, by precedence, that no uh, man under six foot, I think, has ever been president of the United States. Well, in the in the modern era, yeah, in the modern era, era, yeah, because obviously. But I was pointing out that Rishi Sunak, uh, Olaf Scholz, uh, Macron, Zelensky, Boris Johnson are all five foot seven. 
Yeah, but Europe is different to America. We have safety nets and we're we're inclusive and, you know, we like... America's a barbaric frontier country. <laughs> it wants its men to be but, Ronald Reagan but, on a horse. You, I, I bet you did not realise how small Rishi Sunak was until no. you heard that. Because he, ha, he has mastered the optical illusion of creating the impression that he's taller. He wears his trousers cut a few inches above his ankle. It looks like his mammy didn't let them down after he wore them for his first communion. So he looks like he's grown out of them. Yeah, he looks like he's grown out of them. He wears long, skinny ties, well cut suits and he's a kind of a long face. It was only, I mean, I think most people would have seen him standing beside Michal Martin, who's not, uh, you know, he towering. Like Leo. He's normal. Um, when he has to stand beside Leo, it's not going to look good for the two Leo. Indian Prime like Ministers. Kid, well, yeah. I, I can't, uh, I can't um, comment as to whether or not you're right in relation to the height of the US President, but there are two pieces of data that may support your thinking. You earn in America roughly a thousand dollars a year more. This is for men for each additional inch of height you have. So if you're 6'4", you are on average likely to earn $4,000 more than somebody who's six foot tall. This is true. And the average height of a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, again among the males, is six foot one. The average height of the American male, I think, is five foot eight. There you go. Wow, so you could the be right. The defence rests. Yes, but I mean, how many people will see him in sort of perspective? I don't know, I'm liking this theory. Trump like, was 6'3", Obama was 6'2", yes. Clinton's what, 6'3"? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe. But, but you know, if he does, he first, if he does the job of pulling Republicans back into something like sanity and then loses, he'll have done a good and job. And takes his trousers up a few inches. On that note, Brenda Power, <laughs> journalist and barrister, and Paul Hayes, CEO of Beach Hut, CEO of Beach Hut, Beach Hut, sorry, given that it's your business, I should actually say it using uh. English. Paul Hayes, CEO of Beach Hut PR, thank you both very much. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.